This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the lovely Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We have such the story for you out there in podcast land today. Oh, my goodness. Venus Morris Griffin, Brie. Venus oh, Morris Griffin. Huh? Her story. Okay, so like, first of all, when when she came on our radar, her story alone, her just a very short, like I, I would call it a pitch was riveting. Then mm -hmm. like we see her on a, what was it? The, the people of New, of New York, the humans. Instagram. Yeah. Yes. The, you read that and like Instagram is such small little morsels, but reading that I was like, just jumping slides. Oh my God. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's one of those, like, what is going to happen to you next? What is going to like, because right. like all of the struggles that Venus has gone through and you'll hear it in her story. Those struggles, I feel like, would take me out for a significant portion of time. But she made it through. And what she was able God. to do and how she got through it is really inspirational. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're excited to introduce you, if you don't know her already, to Venus Morris Griffin. She's a single mother of seven, author, award-winning real estate agent, and she's a national motivational speaker. She currently is in Augusta, Georgia. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Venus. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. 
Welcome, Venus, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We are so excited to have you on here and to be able to talk about your story and what you overcame. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I am so interested in everything that you have overcome because the way I see it, it's a fear that I have in me as a mom and having my husband be like the primary breadwinner of our home and me being the primary caretaker. So 10 years ago, you had everything pulled out from under you. Can you, can you tell us what happened? Yes. Well, first I'll start by saying, you know, if you had told me 10 years ago that I would go through what I've gone through, I would have said, there's no way I can do it because I was a stay-at-home mom of six children ranging from one, three, let's say there were one, three, nine, 11, 13, and 15. So if you told mm-hmm. me 10 years ago that I would go from being a stay-at-home mom to I'm being thrust into the workforce with no work experience and living in a two bedroom house, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I would have said, there is no way I could do that. And and here's what I would tell people that are listening to this. You know, God doesn't give you the grace you need to get through really horrific things before you need it, but he gives Mm -hmm. it to you when you need it. So just know that no matter what happens to you, no matter what you're going through, that that as long as you do your part, because you do have to do your part, that there's really nothing that you cannot get through and thrive from. And and that's why I share my story, because I want women especially hope that it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what you come from, that you can get through anything with with hard work and determination, forgiveness. And and for me, I'm very spiritual. God is a big factor in, in my my success and walk in life. So I guess if you want me to start from the beginning of the story, I was a mom, seven, six children, and I decided we we had my children through a donor sperm and we had artificial insemination to conceive all of them. I never thought I would be a stay-at-home mom when, when I was young and you know I graduated from the University of South Carolina, but also I never thought we would have fertility issues. And once I went through fertility issues with my children, it took me eight inseminations to conceive my my first son. And when I had him, my life changed. You know, I, you know, when you struggle and you think you're never going to be a mother and, and that doesn't actually have to mean birthing the children, but just in general, when you, when you want a child and you think that's not a possibility and then you're given this beautiful miracle, your perspective on life changes. So I, shifted from wanting to get my master's and law degree to, I just want to be the best mom that I can be to these children. And, and I devoted my life to my family. And I was married nearly 20 years before the rug was pulled out from under me. Mm-hmm. And just to preface my values and, and my commitment to my children, I grew up in a very dysfunctional uh, family. I had a wonderful mother who I loved dearly. But she struggled with mental issues, prescription drug issues, and she was a severe alcoholic. And one of my first memories, I was a small child watching her fingernails if they were to turn blue to call 911 because that meant she weren't breathing. And so I navigated... That's a huge responsibility as a child yeah. to take well, on. Yes. And I navigated through childhood just always... I was always scared and I never wanted anyone to know that I was different 
you know, I would come home in the winter and I remember we would have blankets over the doors to keep this one room warm. And I, I would never bring anyone to my house because I was in fear of judgment. And, and I desperately wanted just to be like everyone else. I just wanted, mm-hmm. you know, to have that family, to have that stable place, that place to fall. But, you know, when you walk in your kitchen and you see hundreds of roaches when you turn on the light switch, you know, that's not something you want to to, to bring people around. So I navigated mm. through that. And, you know, in my mom's defense, she had, she had a kind of a hard childhood herself. She married at 15 and had three children and was married to an abusive man. And, and so she did the best she could do with the tools she had. So I, I don't have animosity or bitterness towards her. However, mm-hmm. it affected my siblings and I greatly. My my brother was sentenced to maximum security prison when he was very young. I watched him mm-hmm. going in and out of boys' homes because what I've learned is within life you can you can repeat the patterns that you've learned and say this is what I was exposed to, or you can choose even if you don't know what's better or different. You can choose to try to find a better solution than, than what you're seeing. Because I think we all have the ability to know right is right and wrong is wrong. And, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we use our past as a uh, as an excuse to not do the right things. Mm-hmm. My sister was a beautiful person, but she repeated those same patterns that my mom did. She, the last time I saw her was probably 20 years ago. And she was in a mental state mental hospital and with the same addictions that my mother shared and, and lost her small children. And so we haven't seen her, you know, in in 20 plus years. And so I was determined. I didn't really know what a healthy family looked like, what life was, but I knew what I didn't want. And so I started just looking around at people that I wanted to be like and seeing what they did differently. And the, the main thing that I saw was they were educated. And so I set on a path to, you know, I was on my own at 15, living with friends. I literally was on the verge of, of homelessness a few times and figured out if I could get to college and I could make my way there. And so I changed high school seven times in three years. I graduated the year early and, and I went to the University of South Carolina where I met my husband and I worked two jobs to put myself in school. And I just remember thinking I was really happy despite the tragedy. I always kind of just found the silver lining And I just remember thinking that I'd made it and that I had beat the odds and I was going to be somebody. And that's where I met my husband. So you were with your family, your six, six kids, correct? Yes. I have have seven now, but I had six at the time. Yes. You had six kids at the time. And then you found out something about your husband. What happened? Yeah. So, so again, we married right out of college and I moved back to where I live now in North Augusta, South Carolina and Augusta, Georgia. They're like a minute from each other. And, and we were married nearly 20 years. And I tell people all the time, your life can change in in 10 seconds and you, you have to decide what you're going to do with that. And we seemed to everyone like we were, the all-American family. We went to church every Sunday. We sat on the front row together. He coached the football team and the you know basketball team and the soccer team. And and I was a youth minister and the room mom and the PTO president. And 
A lot of times when you see stories like mine, you think that there's no way that she couldn't have known everybody else in the world knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but that was not not the case. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool aunt that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explained. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. And something I found so fascinating about your story was you were saying that everybody loved your husband. Everybody thought he was the greatest well, yeah, guy. Including you. Yeah. Including you. Loved him. I swear my family loved him more than they loved me. And, and our, our friends, he just <laughs> lit the room up when you went in. He was, he was, funny. He was smart. He was gorgeous. He was six, three, six, four. He was, could dance and just, just seemed to have his priorities completely intact and no one really saw it coming. And, and that's, that was really the hard part mm-hmm. and the sad part, because I, I say all the time is the, the reason I think I've been able to heal is number one is I forgive him and mental illness. It's, it's no different than you know, the issues my mother struggled with, with drug addiction or alcoholism, we just don't understand it. So he had yeah. some really big demons. And How did you know something was wrong? We had issues within the marriage and I was so fate centered that looking back now, 
and, and this is part of the reason I share my story, I should have left him because he was, you know, I give the analogy of the frog in the water, you know, because of what I'd come from, I thought what I had was so much better. You know, I didn't realize what he was doing was really bad to me also. And abuse often starts off so gradual, yelling, raising your voice, to cussing you out, to suicide threats, to, you know, pushing you in the bathtub, to shooting guns, to snapping your neck, to picking you up by your neck. So it, it gradually, over a 20-year span, and I wasn't just sitting back doing nothing. I was trying to get him help. We were seeing marriage counselors. He was seeing a psychiatrist as well as a psychologist to get treatment for he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and later a personality disorder, which is something separate from that. But again, looking back, I should have left. And that's where I share responsibility for what's happened to me and to my children, because I am responsible for what our family's gone through. And I, Can I add one thing to that? What you're saying really resonates with me, both from my own experience with my first husband, but also, and and not to the degree that you've had, but still thinking that if you just love them enough, if you just give them enough support, they're going to come around to the person that either they were when you first met them or that you feel like they had the potential to be. And when you have Mm -hmm. children with them, it's the whole, like, I want my kids to have the father that they deserve, that I know you can be. And if I love you enough, I always blame it on 80s movies. I watched too many 80s movies and thought that if I just loved him enough, (laughs) he would change. But then another analogy you're saying too, that I, I had read before about this kind of situation. It's like, when you spend, think of it, you spend so long looking for water. You've been deprived of water. You're digging a hole and you're digging it and you're digging it and you can't see what else is around you. Yes. And and, right. Yes. Yes. And and my faith, again, my faith is a big part of who I am and I'm Catholic. And so the Catholic faith just does not condone divorce. And none of my friends were divorced. And I was, you know, better for better, for worse. I was in it to win it short of death. Mm -hmm what had happened, I don't think I would have left him because no one ever told me that sometimes quitting is not quitting, that, that quitting right. is actually winning. Yeah. And, and, and I will forever have to live with that on my heart that, that I should have left him as even though I was a stay at home mom of six kids, I had no job, I had no money. I come from a very poor family and you know, that's scary to, to leave with nothing. Yeah. It, Now, do you look back at that and are you able to give yourself a little bit of self-compassion into saying that this is the environment I was in, this is the community I was in, and this is it? And many people in your situation have done the exact same thing and they they have stayed while the other person really bears a lot of the responsibility for misleading you in the first place. Are you able to look back now and see that, or do you hold that responsibility for you? I give myself compassion and grace. Mm-hmm. Something that we we don't really earn is grace. It's something that's given to us. However, that doesn't take away the responsibility. So I, I still hold myself accountable while giving myself grace because I think sometimes mm-hmm. we don't do that, and we can't get better if we don't hold ourselves accountable. And I say, well. You know, I stayed because I came from a poor family. I didn't have anywhere to go. Well, that those are valid, but but I should have left. And that's why my message is so powerful for the women, because I want them to hear me. I want them to see me. Right. And I want mm-hmm. them to 
I don't want them to yeah. be abused verbally, physically, and mentally. And I'll tell you, the mental was a hundred times worse than the other. And so I was in it to win it. And, you know, the, the famous phone call that went viral all over the world is what ultimately is what saved my family. And, yeah. uh, you know, this prostitute calls me in the middle of the night or it was very late. I don't know what time it is. I woke my 15 year old son up because I was still nursing my one year old. And I just said, John, you know, please just, you know, watch your brother and your siblings and I'll be back as soon as I can. And I'll never forget driving down to meet this prostitute at this hotel off of Washington Road. And the whole time- Which can I just say, can I just say, how did you do that? I'm just, Mm -hmm. I shake just hearing this story about hearing this person the other end of the line calling you in the middle of the night saying something that is so life-changing and in a very bad way, and then getting in the car and driving to meet this unknown person, like that that right there takes an immense amount of strength. Well, I'll tell you. So she calls. She says, you don't know me. My name is so-and-so, and I'm calling to tell you what an awful man you've been married to. He's been cheating on you for years with prostitutes. I've got everything you need to know, and I just want you to know what a bad person he is. And so I respond and I'm like, first I'm thinking this is not true, but I'm like, can I meet you? And I'm just curious by nature. And I'm like, you know, I'm not stupid. I don't, I don't ever want to be that woman who gets all the signs, but doesn't do anything with it. So I was curious enough to say, can I come meet you? But I, I was naive enough to not really think I was thinking I was going into something other than what I was going into. I still believed in my Mm -hmm. husband's innocence, despite his issues, you know, I didn't think he was a cheater. I didn't think he'd had this double life for all these years. Mm -hmm. So I guess God gave me the strength and I am very confrontational and that's good and bad. (laughs) And so I just, you know, I I, I just said, I'm going to go meet this lady and and see what she has to say. And the whole time I'm driving there, I remember thinking not one time did I think I was going to go there and find out that she was, telling me the truth. I'm going there Mm -hmm. trying to save my husband and our family, and I'm going there to defend his honor. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I knock on the door. She opens the door. She's a very young girl and, and I'm thin, but she was very thin. She was fidgeting from head to toe. You could tell she was on something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the most, one of the most powerful parts of my life was that meeting with her. Because when I looked really. You would think that I just would hate her, but I connected Mm. deeply with her. And I looked at a young girl and I saw myself in her and I felt compassion and I felt a connection. And I, I said to myself, like a woman doesn't do this to her body unless she has been really abused and traumatized herself. And so I think we were able to both connect because when we left, she's hugging me and I'm giving her a hundred dollar check that I told her she had to hold for, you know, a week until it cleared, you know, to get her back to to go. But as she's telling me all of the things my husband did, and again, I didn't believe her initially, but then she, she has photos of my husband on her phone and in the stuff Mm. she told me are the same things that he said to me and the threats and the, and what had happened, I think is she fell in love with him. And she told me she started not charging him for sex and he would come three and four times like in a day 
to this hotel room. <sighs> and, you know, she showed me pictures of him naked, driving on the road, exposed in the car. Oh my gosh. And just terrible photos that you would, you, that I'll never. You don't want to see. I'll never get out of my mind. And, you know, that's when he calls her and she turns the phone to me and, and she's like, this is your husband. And so it was something because you have this out of body experience and I actually answered the phone and I just was devastated. I can't even, I can't even put into words hearing his voice on the other line. And I just said, I, I can't believe you would do this to, to our family. And I was, was he angry, surprised, apologetic? How did he respond to hearing your voice? Well, he did start by saying, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. And he says, but, and then he quickly, because he has a very bad temper, he became angry at the the prostitute. He became very angry and started saying she was lying. And and I knew she wasn't lying because he didn't didn't know as I'd seen all these pictures and what she had told me previous. And so it is what it is. And I just remember thinking, what am I going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. what what do you do with this? And, And she told me, she says, we've taken all of your money. You know, we drained your accounts. You know, we drained oh my your gosh. kitchen. And we didn't have a lot of money. My husband made, I don't remember, fifty to $80,000 a year. I mean, he didn't make much with six kids. It was not a lot. Yeah. But we could make it, you know, and, and you know, as happy as I thought I was. And, and I just remember thinking, what do you do with this? And I left... Mm-hmm. And I was driving back home and I, I just remember thinking, okay, anybody can be a Christian and do the right things when things are easy, but it, it takes something to step up to the plate when things are ugly. And I made a commitment to myself driving down there. I'm like, you know, like nobody just wakes up one day and wants to throw away their wife, who I knew he loved me in his own way. And these six amazing kids, I mean, we... We've got this great family. And I, I just said, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not quitting. You know, I I know what I've been through. I know what I've already survived. And I'm not gonna throw the towel in just because he cheated on me. And you know, mm-hmm. you know, adultery is difficult, but I think if you can work through that, I think you can have a very strong marriage. And and that's what I was committed to doing when I was leaving there. Okay, he's had a problem with a sex addiction, if he's having sex this many times with someone and I'm not going to quit to show the world that we can get through anything. And I'm going to be a rock for my children and show them what real forgiveness looks like as long as, you Mm -hmm. know, did his part. And so from there, my husband's family, who is amazing, they sent him to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to a sex rehab clinic and he was there a few months for, for treatment. And that's when things changed. Because part of getting clean with any addiction is, is owning it and, and mm-hmm. asking for forgiveness. And mm-hmm. um, I'll never forget driving on the, or not driving, riding on the airplane with my mother-in-law and saying to her, why don't you have any pictures of trip playing football at USC? And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, he played football. And she's like, he didn't play football at Carolina. So I'm like, what? 
you know, here. So wait, in a, 20 years, that's no. the first time that came up. Oh, yeah. no, in 20 years, all of my kids went to the locker rooms. The community thought he was a big player at Carolina. He would tell people about plays with the coaches that he would have on the football and how if they played with the same heart as he did, they'd win the national championship. Like this, I saw my whole life and I'm like, like none of this really, none of this happened. It's all, it's all a lie, you know? He was and, lying to you um, the entire time. The whole thing was, was just, it, it, I mean, it's just like something out of a movie. You, I wouldn't believe it if it yeah. weren't happening. You me. have your own Lifetime movie. You do. Yeah. You we, mm-hmm. Lifetime, if you're listening, we need to get Venus set up for her own movie. This is like, mm-hmm. and you know what? Also, I'm just going to say God bless you. Uh, I, I wasn't able to forgive from from the adultery. I don't know. <laughs> God bless you. You had way more kindness in your heart than I do. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us, any of us are defined by the worst thing we do. And I think sin is sin. And I was, I don't know how I would have worked through it, but I was willing to try yeah. and work through it until mm-hmm. we were there and some other really awful things came out that he did. And, and again, I didn't mm-hmm. believe that he did those things, but I didn't believe anything had just happened. So the hospital calls me and they gave him a lie detector test, which he failed. And they gave him a second one and they said, you know, he wasn't really cooperating. So they recommended we go to this place in Atlanta to take something called a specific issue lie detector that was 99%, you know, accurate. And so he was such a good liar that he thought he could fill. I mean, he thought he could pass the lie detector test. I mean, his whole- Arrogant man. Arrogant. (laughs) Thought he could pass it. So he took it. And in both times when he failed the other two, he called me crying. Like they're, they're just, you know, they're framing me. I didn't do this. And I swear to God, Venus, please, you know, I love our children more than anything in this world. Please believe me. And so he agreed to go to this other place. And the guy says, you know, Venus, I've still never met the guy. I don't know you. I've never met him. Everybody's innocent. I will tell you without a doubt if he's guilty of, of these things. And I'll never forget them calling me and the, the guy on the other line saying, he did it. He said he failed every question. And he said to me, he said, if you sweep this under the rug, you will be at best an unfit mother. I will never forget that. And, and oh. of course, that was a game changer because, you know, right. making my children is, is number yeah. one for, for a mother over my security, over my love for my husband. So I immediately filed for divorce. And I, I'll just never forget just, I mean, it was, it was really the, it was one of the hardest things. One of the hardest. And so over the next few months, I called my pediatrician and he says, you know, Venus, because of the nature of, of what you're asking me to, to examine your children for, I have to report this to the Department of Social Services. And so, um, so he called the Department of Social Services and they started this investigation on significant evidence and they attorney and, and reported it. And then of course they started their investigation and they arrested him and he was, he had a jury full jury trial and, uh, over the next months and uh, he was convicted and he was sentenced to 45 years in prison. 
So that was, oh my goodness. you know, because. That's so much. That is you know, so much Venus. And so I'm, I'll never forget driving home from the courthouse that day. And you know what was crazy is like I, I had to get up there and testify. And, and the whole time Tripp was looking at his watch doing this. And the judge is like, sir, you can't, you can't speak to the, the witness. And he's like this. I'm like, what is he talking about? And so then I'm like, oh, my God. It's, you know, here I am. It's like completely ironic, but it's our anniversary. And I don't realize that I'm up there. You know, and, and he did some terrible things, but when you're married to someone that long, you still, your your whole body is conflicted. You don't, I mean, I believed it, obviously, because mm-hmm. I, I believed everything that had happened in the information. I, I knew it was true, but it's still, you're, it's a weird yeah. place to be because you're, you know, how do you love somebody who has destroyed your family and your yeah, kid? Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, just, I remember coming home from, the the courthouse that day and I'm like how do I tell my kids that they'll never see their dad because they didn't you know I mean they were sheltered from so much they didn't really realize how bad the bad was because I was really good at pretending everything was okay you know mm-hmm. and so I just I remember sitting them down in a circle and and I said to them I said you know what I said the first thing I'm going to tell you that we're going to do it's a family is we're going to forgive your dad. And I said, we're Mm. never going to talk bad about him. I said, because no one wakes up, as I told y'all, and says, I just want to throw my whole life out the door. So we've got to forgive him and know that he is mentally not well. And I don't know what our future is, but here's what I promise you. As your mom, I am going to take care of you. And I don't know what that means. But... I'm not going to lay this cross down for y'all to pick up and I'm going to work every day to be the best mom I can be. And we're going to pull together and we're going to, we're going to be something and we're going to get through this and we're going to be stronger. Well, Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And that's where my journey started. You know, I just got my real estate license. I was in a two-bedroom. I had six kids. My baby was still nursing. I had a, you know, one to 15. And I just, my oldest son is, and if you read the article in Humans in New York, he was just as saying he was 15. Yeah. You know, he just stepped up and he, he helped me raise his brothers and sisters. He's helping with homework at night. So I'm, working 70 hours a week, I'm cooking. And, you know, I tell people it's the little things that set you apart. It's not the big things. And if you do the little things mm-hmm. right, the big things happen. And, yeah. and I, I didn't know what to do. So I said, okay, the first thing I got to do to take care of my kids is to take care of myself. And we as women, we miss that. We think we, we have to do, do for a kid. And, and that makes us a good mom. And mm-hmm. in obvious, if we don't take care of ourselves, we become severely depressed. We become anxious. We become out of shape. We become mentally unwell. And, and you can't take care of anyone. So I, mm-hmm. I started running. I got up at five o'clock in the morning and I would run five miles every day. And I wasn't a runner. You know, I, I would walk a mile, run a mile, or actually walk a minute. Mm-hmm run 30 seconds and then I built yes. up to running five miles to dang half marathon. But, but I just knew I researched, I, I was very nervous to take any medications. I, I take no medicines because I say I'm an addict waiting to happen since my family are all addicts. And so I researched and exercise was, was as effective if not more in many cases of relieving depression because I was so depressed I could barely get out of it I mean I just really how could you I not be yeah. if I didn't have my that, kids that's, I just think that's that I, amazing that you were able to to see that you had just to take those really small steps from that part because I think many people would have let that consume them at that time but you you started and you got out the door and you didn't do it perfectly at first, the running. You did it the best you could. And I'm guessing that it improved a lot from there. Like how how did your journey go from there? Obviously, the first few days were the hardest, but how did it go from there? Well, it was all hard. It, it just it was hard. the first few days, you know, but, oh. but here's what I know. I, you know, I... I I tell my kids, you know, as long as you get up every day and you're trying to do better, even if you take take a step backwards occasionally, you're going to get somewhere because you're going to keep, you know, two steps forwards, one back. I, I committed to um, after I worked out to to taking my children to mass every morning before school. One year, mm-hmm. I got all six children up and we went to seven a.m. mass. Monday through Friday before school, and then again on Sunday because I knew, and and they hated it. They hated it, and I, I was just it. thinking out of my head. My yeah. kid would probably throw something at my head. <laughs> it was nothing like you would think in a movie. We're getting up, going to mass. None of us were yeah. happy. 
but I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. And and mm-hmm. I might sit through church four days and feel like it wasted my time. But then those two days out of the six, I'd get something from it. And it would give me the strength mm-hmm. to go a little farther and to be a little mm-hmm. better and to be a little yeah. more forgiving and to be a little more tolerant. And so I just kept doing that for the first year. And the other thing, you know, I was working 70 hours plus a week. I'm sure. What I didn't want to do is is have my kids think that my work was more important to them or become very successful and, and them think that money was more important than them. And so I committed to to having a family dinner every night with them. And we would sit down like it's a big deal. It was a big deal. And we'd go through our good thing about our day and our not so good thing about our day. And it's those little things that, that set you apart. And it, it saved, it it saved my family. And, you know, I never will forget my divorce attorney telling me, he says, you know, Venus, he says, you know, you don't get child support from prison. And he says, I know you like this real estate thing. He says, but you need to get a real job because you have children and you have no money. And I remember telling my attorney, I said, Tim, I said, I'm okay doing that. I said, but first I said, you, you don't know what I have in me. I said, you don't know what I come from. I said, I am not quitting. Mm-hmm. I, I told my shoulders and I'm okay getting a real job, but I'm going to try first. And that was my journey. Mm-hmm. With, you know, my, I, I told people my first year, I made $20,000. My second year, I, I, I I made a hundred thousand and by year seven, I was making seven figures and, and it was, Amazing. I didn't know anyone. I came from nothing. I would knock on doors and I see it for sale by owner. I, I'd all but beg them to let me list their house. And I would show up in the same suit that I have on today that cost me nothing. And, and I, you know, would wash it and, and look like I was a million dollars and do what I said I was going to do and over deliver. And then they would tell somebody about me and they would hire me and I'd do what I'd say I was going to do. I'd over deliver. And then it, you know, the progress you, you snowball and, and it's in anything you do. I, I tell my kids, I said, you can work at McDonald's starting to sweep the floor and you can be excellent at anything and you're going to be noticed and you're going to be successful and you're going to climb to the top. I said, but you've got to give it 110%. You got to show up early. You got to work late. I'm not always the smartest. I'm smart, but I'm not always the smartest. I don't have the connections, but you cannot outwork me. And in a work ethic determination can be any talent. And, and, and you just have to find what your why is and, and be determined to never settle and to know what your value is. And, and that's what I hope that my story does is to teach other women in a lot less time than it took me to know what their value is and to never settle. Can I, can I real quick ask a question just so we can time jump real? How are you? So that was like 10 years ago when you started this whole journey. How are your kids now? So I'll tell you the best part of my story. When you're a parent, you don't get a paycheck for 20 years at least. (laughs) No. You work, but you don't get a paycheck. And my son, he was president of his dental class. He's a doctor now. He's a dentist here locally. I'm so proud. And when he was elected president of his dental class, they had a welcoming ceremony where he gave the invocation. And Mm -hmm. he 
first thing his teachers, and you may have read this, but you think his teachers, his parents, the students, and at the end of it, he said, and before I end this, he said, I need to recognize one person. And he said, Mom, can you stand up? And so, of course, I didn't know absolutely what to do. And he said, Mom, when the whole world threw the towel in on us, and the whole world was quick to judge us and turn their back, he said, you taught me to never settle. You taught me to never give up no matter how hard things are. And you are the reason I will be Dr. John Morris is because of the example you set for me. And that was the paycheck that I never could earn or deserve is, is to hear my children validate the love and the commitment to my family. Because when it's all said and done, materialistic things, money, fame, recognition, none of that matters if you don't have a connection with someone, your children, your family, your friends, love. And and, yeah. and now my kids are a long answer, but my son is going to be 27 next month. He is a, a dentist. I chipped my tooth today. The whole tooth came out. So <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's helpful to have a dentist on call when that happens. <laughs> and so my 25-year-old, she struggled the most with her dad going away because she was a daddy's girl. And she had an unpleasant pregnancy in college and got pregnant at 19 and had twins. And they are oh, old. And I, I tell people, they were the biggest unplanned blessing that our family has ever had. And she just stepped up to the plate. She is super mom. She graduated four years with an accounting degree and she just got an accounting job. And this is her second job at a place called Zytex here in Augusta. And I said to her, I said, okay, Julia, when you're interviewing for this job, you tell them not only are you the best accountant, you're a single mom, you're hardworking, you're determined to take care of your girls, you know, you're the sole breadwinner. I said, you tell them you have the advantage of every other applicant because you used to swim in the tanks back there. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> firm. We got all of our sperm from this place, Cytex. So they laughed. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> Where she now works as an accountant. I said, so you tell them you've been here longer than anybody because you were actually in that tank. He is a superstar. Just, you know, a beautiful soul, struggled terribly for many years, just trying to wrap her brain around everything, but has come through and, and there's a rainbow there. So she's an accountant. My third child, Alexa, she just applied occupational therapy school and wants to be an occupational therapist. She's finishing her bachelor's at Georgia Southern. Now, fourth child is a junior with, she's a finance major at Georgia Southern. My fifth child is a sophomore in high school at Aquinas High School. And my sixth child is in the sixth grade and he's at St. Mary's. And then I, I, I've married and had a unplanned pregnancy. My first natural pregnancy at 44, I had baby number seven. So I'm 50, I'll be 51 in in March. That's a whole nother journey right there. (laughs) With peaks and valleys, I tell people, you know, I was married eight years and we divorced four months ago. He was never been married. 50 year old married me. I told people, I said, you know, he stepped into a landmine, you know, you got like seven kids. You've never been married to 50 years old. And, you know, we got this beautiful daughter together, but, but life still, you know, I share that part of my journey because, you know, people think that I, they look at me, they see billboards, say I look well put together and, and life is beautiful, but it's hard. And nobody is, Nobody has it all together. 
we're all trying to figure it out the best right. we can. And, and, and yeah. that's when I share my stories because I look, I mean, I still struggle, you know, I just went through this divorce and, you know, it, it's hard, but, but you, you've got to have compassion, forgiveness, and know that no matter what happens to you, you're, you're going to be okay. And then when you do that, mm-hmm. like I have this level of happiness in my heart that I could lose everything. And I, I think I would still have that happiness because no matter what happens to you, you're not defined what by those things. You're defined about your core values of who you are. And that, yeah, life that is-, is such an important message for people to hear because so much of anxiety could be driven by this fear that you're going to lose things and it's going mm-hmm. to make you lose part of yourself. And I love hearing also that you look put together, you have these big real estate billboards, <laughs> but it just goes to show you everyone's struggling. Everyone has a story behind well, them. Nobody's perfect. I think yeah. that's a really good point, Joanne, right? And like society today, as moms, we compare ourselves so much. You know, we talk about yeah. how like we don't want our kids to be on social media all the time because that's not good for their mental health and everything. And yet we seem and to act like, going like We act like we're just like immune to it and that it's no biggie, but we do the exact same things to ourselves. Hearing your story, I have to admit, a little bit of of a worm is creeping in my head going, God, Brie, you're a slacker. (laughs) I I, I know. I'm just saying. No, I I have to say, like, I think that is a really great thing to bring up because the worm was creeping in my head as well. But it's one of those things just to be aware of that it doesn't it doesn't define you. Hearing your story and thinking like you're a slacker. No, we can't compare ourselves to each other. <laughs> we it, each it, have our own journey. Yeah, and, and that's what I tell people. Like my whole life, people look at me and they, they think I've just got the world handed to me on a platter and I was just trying to live. You know, mm-hmm. I was trying not to die, basically. And if people really knew who I was, then then they would be more gentle on themselves because, you know, we, my story is just one of a gazillion. Some people have 10 times more stories, right. some people, you know, but pain and suffering, it feels the same, no matter the degree of what's happened, you know? So your pain of your husband committing adultery on you is the same as my pain with my husband going to prison. I've got six kids. It hurts the same in, in and life is a journey right. and being compassionate to yourself and, and knowing that you're going to be okay and that nobody has it figured out. It, mm-hmm. it, it sets you free. Nobody has it figured out. I think that's such strong words. What Venus right now are you looking forward to in your life? So I have this book coming out soon. Margaret Raleigh King, she is my agent with William Endeavors. I don't know if you've heard of her. She did Glennon Doyle. I think she. Oh. So, I um, used to work for Endeavor, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> so, Before they merged. <laughs> okay, so she has my, my book and I think Penguin Random House and some other people are trying to decide where the best place for it to, to be at is and who likes me the best too, I guess. So that will be coming out. And then, you know, I've had formal offers from Warner Brothers for a Netflix series as well as documentary. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. Yes. Yes. I say Lifetime movie, but you know what I mean. That, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do, so uh, I'm definitely doing the book no matter what. And I want the book to come out and, and my kids have to be on board with any type. Oh, yeah. Kind of, because Kate Hudson face was FaceTiming me and the Fanning sisters FaceTiming me wanting to play the role of me in a movie, which is kind of cool. 
but Kate Hudson would be a good one for you. Definitely. Or Reese, Reese Witherspoon would be a good one. I could see that too. But again, you know, I don't know. Me sharing this is, is not really about that. It's about yeah. God, God, thousands yeah. and thousands of like, I'm on Instagram and Facebook where people follow me and like women say, you know, it's about to kill myself until I heard your story. Mm. And after hearing your story, you've given me hope. I mean, it's incredible. I thought I was so significant and you realize how you're so insignificant and how the world, I mean, we're just this one I mean, we're all the same and we're all going through difficult times. And, and just the reason I put this out there is because I think the message is powerful in helping other women say, you know what, who cares? You know, who cares what happens yes. to you? You keep doing the best you can do. Be happy despite your circumstances and, and forgiveness. You know, if you don't forgive people, I still send my husband a letter every year at, at Christmas. I have a six or seven page update on all the kids. I spent I sent 25 pictures this Christmas and people say to me, why would you do that? And I said, you know what? I treat him the same way. I pray to God. If I messed up that somebody would have the grace to treat me and just giving people Mm -hmm. compassion, even when they don't deserve it, it it changes who you are. It changes, it changes. I think the world for a better place. And I hope my story is able to impact women globally to give them that same significance and hope. So, yeah. All right. I'm not, I'm not overly religious. Joanne knows this by all means. And I will say that when I was going through my divorce, I started going to church too. Something just kind of pulled me back into that. I grew up Southern Baptist, but I do believe that things happen for a reason, no matter how good or how bad they are. And so I, I definitely can see that, or at least from where I'm sitting, it looks like the reason for yours is exactly what you're doing. You are helping others that are going through their own turmoil. You're you you also gave your kids the strength and to be able in that role model to see that even when things look the worst possible that they could possibly be, that you're there. Yeah. And that they do have the strength to continue on and that family is super helpful in that. Because I think that yeah. that's the big thing. Like when Joanne and I were talking about like the whole, like, how are you not depressed and stuck in bed? I, I you, was. you need someone. You were. Yeah. <laughs> you were. I, not, well, I got out of bed, but I was depressed, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and here's what I, here's the bigger message I think is you've got to forgive people. It doesn't mean you let them continue to abuse you, but you got to <laughs> forgive people and know, even with your husband or whoever, we all mess up. You know, right. sin is sin. I'm, I'm religious, but I believe, I don't believe my religion is the only way. I think religion is just a tool to get us all to the same place, whatever you want to call it. But you, you've got to be able to look at other people who mess up and not think they're total F-ups. You know, you got to know that okay, they're human. They messed up and I got to forgive them because I mess up and I'm going to try to be the best version of myself. I think that's where we change ourselves. And, and when you give other people the grace Like I give my husband that grace when I mess up and I still mess up. I'm a little easier on myself because I've been easier on him, Mm -hmm. you know, but if I'd convicted him and if I were just throwing the stones at him, then, you know, I've got some pointing back at myself too. And so I I think that's what change happens is when you can really look at the goodness in other people and not focus on just what they've done bad. So, well, and it really weighs you down all that anger. 
Yeah, too. It does. What's the saying? It says anger at another person is like, or not forgiving another person is like taking poison yourself and expecting the other one to die because it really just affects you. Very good Um, point. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's a, it's a really, really hard thing to do forgiveness. And I mean, it's work in progress every day. I know for me, but Venus, your story is so powerful and thank you for sharing it with us. And we are going to share it now with our audience in the hopes of reaching other women and showing them that their situation has some hope in it. And there's always something you can take from a situation and use it to empower others and empower yourself. So Thank you so much, Venus. Yes, thank thank you. you. So I'm all the feels after that. (laughs) I know, like it just it hearing her story, it it just breaks my heart hearing all the things that she was going through while she was in it and her kids. Like, yeah. As a as someone going through a divorce as well, like that's the part that I feel like broke my heart the most when I was going through my divorce was that. I, I knew that some of that stuff was hard for me and that I would have to deal with it, but knowing that it was going to be happening to my kids mm-hmm. and that you can't stop it, you just have to like hope for the best and hope that it, it that they're strong and that you're giving them enough love to make it through is it's a thing. <laughs> I think like she she is such an example of strength and such an example that I think before meeting with her, and we mentioned this in the interview too, that I'd be like, oh my gosh, she's just going forward, going forward, going forward. And like, I feel like what do my little problems every day have any significance based on what she's gone through, you know? And I think that's a, it's a really common thing that we think when we see these stories that immediately it goes to kind of shaming ourselves and it doesn't have to be like that right it, not at all it's we're all on different paths we we have to honor what we've been through and she's she's been through a lot and she's come out the other side and she's still i feel like she's she doesn't say her life is easy it's still full of challenges so that's yeah. just me admitting my own insecurities when listening to this story. So well, I think if I, anyone else has these, <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone. And I think that that's true. Like we hear stories of people going through awful, difficult, cha- I would say awful, challenging things in their life. And then we think to ourselves, mm-hmm. well, how dare I feel upset or mm-hmm. bad or stressed for my challenge when it's, that that yeah, we all like you just said, it's all valid what we're all going through. We all have our challenges. And I will say that it it was it's very inspiring to hear her story and be like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I'm not gonna say that I don't have a right for it to be hard, but I can do this. Yeah. I also want to break down and cry for her because of yeah. what she had to do on her own. Oh, if without... I could have jumped through our screen and given that lady a huge hug, I would have, because I'm all like, girl, bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed Venus's story and uh, took a lot from it. And remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.